0: Well, this is the end of a long journey in some respects for Amy. Amy lived this life as a trooper. Amy lived for Jesus until the day she breathed her last. And the great joy that we have in the promise as Christians is that she is absent from her body and present with the Lord. So today we're gonna celebrate her life, the life of someone well-lived. On behalf of Amy and her family, we welcome you here. We're honored that you're here to remember her life. And today we approach this day where death seems to have the final say, but the scripture tells us our victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ because the grave cannot hold us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just are very grateful today for life. We're grateful for the promise of eternal life. We're grateful that the grave cannot hold us. We're grateful that Jesus died on our behalf. So today we would invite the Holy Spirit to come near, to be the comforter as you always are, We welcome your presence here today in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: There is coming a day when no heartache shall come No more clouds in the sky No more tears the eye all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore what a day glorious day that will be what a day that will be when my jesus i shall see when I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and brings me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be there'll be no. Hey.
2: and pours the rain then cry to Jesus cry to Jesus cry to Jesus life on glory side and fly to Jesus and fly to Jesus
0: I don't know about you, but flying to Jesus sounds pretty good to me, how about you? You know, the Bible tells us that's not just a fairy tale, but the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So somehow the last breath on earth is the first breath in the presence of God. Amy Janelle McCarty went to be with the Lord October 20th of this year. She was in Wake Village, Texas, where she resided with her husband, Kevin. She was born November 17, 1976, in Baltimore, Maryland. She was preceded in death by her brother-in-law, James Colisello. She is survived by her loving husband, Kevin McCarty, of Wake Village, her father and mother, Charles E. Chuck Webb, and Connie Webb of Front Royal, Virginia. Three sisters and two brothers-in-law, Sherry Colisello. I think that's the harder name to pronounce of the day. What do you think? of Brandywine, Maryland, Darla and Hollis Hillman of Front Royal, Virginia, Betsy and Robert Harold of Upper Marlboro, Maryland, her father-in-law and mother-in-law, Stanley and Carol McCarty of Wake Village, sister-in-law, Shelley Sparks of Queen City, Texas, her brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Eric and Ken Beecham of Ida Bell, Oklahoma, her nieces and nephews, Lauren, Luke, and Nathan, Savannah, Alina, Logan, and Liliana, Benjamin, Harold, Maury, and Caleb Sparks. Evan and Evan Beecham, and a host of friends and other relatives. Your presence today says very clearly that Amy and Kevin are loved dearly. We're honored that you're here. Those are the facts, as we all know. We're going to hear from family and friends now as we celebrate our life. I'm going to ask the family members that were asked to share something, to read a poem. If you'll all come to the platform now, you can enter on either side, but let's all come and stand. We'll go one after the other. And uh, several have mentioned in the congregation they might like to have a personal remark to share about Amy. If you'd like to do that, I just ask you to keep it brief, and uh, we'll do it right after these guys.
3: Thank you so much for being here today. I'm speaking today. I'm Darla Hillman. I'm Amy's sister. I'm speaking on behalf of my other two sisters today. we're four there's four of us but i promise you amy is right where she wants to be today she's with jesus and that's all she's wanted um for a while now but i knew amy when she wasn't sick i'm gonna tell you a little bit about that i remember um mom, I remember getting through your purse and Amy and I would get all your change out of your purse and we'd go up to the store and we'd buy all this junk and Amy would beat me home with the bag before I could get to it and we'd run back. And um, I remember our family vacations to Bethany Beach and um, Kings Dominion trips when we would go and ride the roller coasters and Amy was so well, I can remember we'd go again and again and again and again. I remember trips to the mountains to see grandma and Pop, and um, I remember Amy playing fast-pitch softball and we'd have to wait there till she would um, lose a game and she, they were really good and so we'd have to wait and wait and she was she was so good and we would be praying Betsy and I'd be praying that she'd lose so we could go do something else on a Saturday I remember Amy was real double jointed and she would move her arms real funny and all, and, and I always wished I could do that. I, I always tried to do it, but I couldn't. I hurt myself trying. Um, Amy had a love for writing, and even as a little girl, um, she would we, would we were supposed to be sleeping. We'd share a bedroom, and um, she would, she would um, read me the stories as a little girl that she would write, and I loved them, and she'd say, well, I'm not done, but then she'd start another one before she'd finish that one, and um, I just remember how... How precious that was and but as we grow older we shared so many things we uh, um, we played basketball together at school we shared the first car we drove the LTD and the Saturn and we worked at Bob Evans together waitressing and I got to go to Bob Jones for a speech I won and that's where I remember meeting Julie one of her best friends we went to school with Stephanie But one of the things, Amy could never have children, and um, I have four children, and there was a part of me that felt a little bit guilty. Amy and I both share lupus, and um, I felt guilty that God gave me children, but Amy loved my children like they were her own. And the nieces and nephews, all of you, Amy just wanted you to live for the Lord. That's all she wanted. She, there was never a holiday where there wasn't a package. In fact, just about a week ago, not even a week ago, it was just about a week ago, we got a package in the mail. Amy had colored pictures for my little girl in her deathbed. She colored pictures for my girls and my son. Um, Everybody, all those nieces and nephews, Amy lived her life wanting you to see Jesus. And I pray that you carry that out and you live your life for Jesus and love him. I remember with the kids she'd always say, who's your favorite aunt? And they all had to say Amy Amy I mean <laughs> she if Amy was the star you know she was the one um, Amy uh, one of the best things Amy ever did though was marry Kevin Kevin she loved you more than you loved her you know the Bible talks about um, Jesus came not To be ministered unto but to minister and I believe Amy and Kevin's marriage Kevin loved Amy and Amy loved Kevin and you don't see that they loved each other Kevin you were the perfect husband for Amy and she loved you more than anything and I know that you love her and as a sister I thank you for what you've done for her her love for Jesus, her prayer life, her friends, everybody in here would say that they were her best friend. Um, Amy loved every one of you here. The Lord gave me a verse, we were coming down here, and the Lord gave me a verse, I was reading my Bible in the car, and in Psalms 27:13, the Bible says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you know, Amy saw the goodness of the Lord in every trial that she faced through this journey that she had in her health. She would come on the phone and she'd talk to me and she'd say, Darla, I was at the, I was at the hospital and I met this nurse and we prayed together. I, this chaplain came through and prayed and I prayed for him. And, and every one of you that came by her bed, she loved you. But, but she saw the goodness of the Lord in this life. And I pray that as we leave here today, that you take that from Amy. Don't leave here, take what she was and take what she did and do that. Um, make her life count because that's what she'd want from you. As her sister, she will be missed, but I know that we'll carry on what she's left behind.
4: Thank you. I met Amy when we were seven years old great so that's about 30 years ago I know that many of your Texas friends have only known her after her illness and through her sicknesses. but Amy was not always sick she was one of the funniest and craziest people that I've ever known as I look back on my childhood memories definitely the best ones included Amy I think about the countless sleepovers the shopping trips to the mall where we always had to coordinate our outfits and always had to stop at the candy store. (laughs) Um, I think about her mom always making her angel food cake with whipped cream frosting for her birthday. I think about her love of Cal Ripken and the life-size cutout she had of him in her bedroom growing up. I think about us getting ready for our Christian school versions of proms together. And I think about our senior trip to the Bahamas Christmas morning was not complete until we called each other and said, what'd you get? (laughs) I remember talking and laughing the night before our weddings together. Amy was always the life of the party, and she loved to be the center of attention. Amy was feisty, and she liked to get her way. Amy could roll out of bed, put her lipstick on, and be ready to take on the world. Amy was a very talented and gifted writer. She had always been able to express her feelings through words so beautifully. As I was packing to come here, I opened one of the drawers in my dresser, looking for my phone charger. Right on the top, I saw an envelope that was covered with all these crazy, silly stickers. And I knew it was a letter from Amy. I opened it up and there was eight pages tight of her letter to me. Okay, if it was the other way around, Amy would be saying she found a card that said, Love Stephanie. (laughs) I'm not a writer. Um, And I know many of you out there could probably relate because you probably received one or two of her beautiful cards or letters that she had written. Those are things that we can cherish forever. Her sisters and I were talking about Amy last night and how she made everyone feel so special. I could ask you right now to raise your hand if you were one of her dearest or closest friends, and half the room would raise their hand because she made you feel that way. Um, Right after she got sick, I'd always tell her, you know, stop apologizing for not responding or writing or answering letters. You know, everyone cares about you and know that you're sick, just take care of yourself. But she was more concerned about everybody else. Um, She would always say on the phone when we talked I don't i don't want to talk about me. Tell me about you What's going on with you? The thing that I will personally miss the most is I feel like I lost my biggest fan my number one supporter and my encourager Amy had so many terrible physical struggles And if anyone in this world had a reason to be angry or bitter it was her but Amy was determined not to let the devil steal her joy she was praising her savior to the end this is a quote that amy wrote in one of her blogs happiness comes and goes but you cannot steal what someone has in their soul if you have the joy that comes from knowing that he has a plan and a purpose for you then you will find peace in him she also quoted psalm 73:26, my flesh and my heart may fail but my god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever Although I will miss my bestest buddy like crazy, I can't find comfort in knowing she is no longer in pain, and she is made whole, and she's with our Savior.
5: Um, So my Aunt Amy wrote this poem on the Wednesday before um, she went to be with the Lord. This poem is written to the three most influential men in her life, her Lord and Savior, her father, and her husband. It reads, The sweetest thing is you. You have been my savior, you have been my friend. You have been my heart's desire for as long as I have had breath. I cannot tell you of how I love you because it is too much to say. My heart cannot contain it. I love you does not, cannot say it enough. You hang the moon and light the stars. The beauty you bring my life is overwhelming. I could not live without you. Don't ever take your hand or heart from my life. I need your touch, I need your hand, and I'll always need you.
6: For those of you who don't know who I am, I didn't get to meet when you came in here, I'm Amy's dad, Chuck Webb. Before I start talking about my Amy, I would like to uh, thank the entire town of Texarkana, Texas. I've never been in a more friendly place since I've been here. I guess maybe it's the Bible Belt or whatever, but I've met so many people that were just friendly. It seemed like the whole place was saved to me. But uh, I just thank you, thank the, just thank the Lord I got to be with Amy uh, in such a nice place as it was. Um, let me start by saying thank you to Pastor John Miller and um, his wife, uh, Linnell, and all the folks from Amy's church here at Church on the Rock. Um, you guys couldn't have been any more friendly to us, all your acts of kindness, the food, Uh, Just bestowing us with uh, food at the house and and the visits and all that And I just thank you all for your your uh, loving and kindness to me and to Amy and to Kevin while I've been here And to my family and all all the ones that came and and enjoying the breakfast this morning and all I thank you all so much All those who gave their time to come and sit with Amy as she uh, needed around-the-clock attention uh, all the people who brought food and flowers and gifts and all the prayers that were prayed in her behalf uh, were so special to Amy and to our family. I'm so glad I had the privilege to meet so many of you. I'm, I'm not real good on names. I remember faces and all, but I remember seeing all of you, so many of you there at the house. And, and your love and kindness and taking time to sit and talk with Amy. Uh, she felt your love so much. I thank you for that i want to thank the folks from first baptist church of nash uh, for the wonderful meal you have prepared prepared for our family uh later today uh pastor uh dennis Whitmire, uh what a blessing he has been to us he came and visited amy at the house many times and all made me feel welcome and all the folks that went to nash and and your friendliness towards me and my wife and my girls and and my cousins that are here and all i just thank you so much for your hospitality uh it seems like uh, all the food that you i want to thank the wonderful people for at kevin's work also at tisd um they supplied us with so much food we ha- i had to stop it at one time uh we just had so much stuff in the refrigerator we had to cut it off but i thank you so much for your goodness to us and uh and for being at our beck and call for everything we needed um We had a great dinner last night, and they brought us all that stuff. And I just want to thank you so much for it. Uh, Special thanks to um, Nanette and Amanda and Crystal. If if we didn't have them around, I don't know what me and Kevin would have done. They were such a blessing uh, coming over to the house and taking care of different things. Amanda, Amanda, uh, after Amy passed, she came and cleaned the whole house, cleaned out the refrigerator, and made everything presentable for everybody coming. I just thank you folks so much. And I want to thank uh, the West Lawn Elementary School for the luncheon that we had yesterday and for the tremendous friendships that Amy had developed over the years that she taught there. Also for um, uh, Trinity Christian School, uh, the same thing. So many people that uh, came into Amy's life while she was teaching there and all. And I just want to thank you folks for being such a friend to my Amy and for all the prayers that you prayed for. her. Thank you, especially, and I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank the nurses and the doctors from the Texacana Hospice. I cannot tell you how much they did to keep Amy comfortable and help her and help support our family for the last two months since she's been at hospice. Special thanks, especially to Tashina Bevel, Leslie Kennedy and Amy Townsend, who were excellent in their care and knowledge of Amy's illness. Um, kevin and i appreciated these three nurses we appreciated all of them so many of them but these three seemed to know really amy's case and really took it to heart and they just uh, made me and kevin feel at ease when we could call on them and i just thank those ladies so much i want to thank uh, the chief um um, james uh, byton uh, from the wakeville uh, not volunteer wakeville uh, fire department for all the uh, visits he made to Amy uh, and for letting, him, uh, letting her ride with him in the truck and all that, putting her to work uh, when she felt good enough. This really, really made uh, uh, Amy not think about her illness, take her mind off that, and it, it just made her feel uh, needed and, and useful. And I thank him so much for that. I wanna, uh, I wanna thank especially to, I guess my in-laws, Stanley and Carol McCarty, well, and, and and their family too, all the people in their family. What a blessing they've been to us. Uh, the love that they gave Amy, and they showed her uh, throughout each stage of her illness. She got she had went through so many stages, getting sicker and sicker at a slow rate. Uh, they accepted her for the person that she was, and they always made her feel like a part of the family. Uh, they've got a great family, folks, and those that you that you know them. Uh, they're very close knit, and. They have so much love and they showed all that to amy and i just love them to death they've just been wonderful to me and my family i appreciate you folks so much really i do i can't say it enough really last but not least i want to thank kevin her husband kevin from the start of their marriage 14 years ago his unconditional love has never faltered one bit never complaining, never a harsh word, never a thought of leaving just following his vow in sickness and in health till death do us part. I've never met a man quite like Kevin McCarty. His life revolved around loving and caring and making Amy comfortable. The commitment and love he had for Amy was unique and selfless. I have learned to love Kevin in a very special way We had, since I've been here, we bonded so much and got to know each other so much. And it was always, I'd never got so much time to spend with him before, but we just seemed to click real well being down here together and and helping Amy, uh, both side by side with her. And I'm glad he let me come and be a part of that. Kevin, I love you so much, brother. You're just great, okay? Okay. Amy's journey began on a cold November morning as we sped to the hospital in Baltimore, Maryland. She was trying to make her debut in the front seat of our car, but we made it to the hospital with only minutes to spare. She was our, she was, she was our, she was our second beautiful daughter with dark brown curly hair and dark brown eyes. Her life continued on a fast track as she loved challenges, always a leader, and always wanted to please her daddy. Amy and I had a special bond, and because I love baseball, so did she. She loved collecting baseball cards and playing softball in a girls' league. Our favorite team was the Baltimore Orioles, and we made many trips to see them play at their stadium each year. We would arrive early so we could see batting practice and get autographs and catch baseballs the players would hit in the stands. My best memory is when Amy was standing in the outfield seats and with her glove and her long lanky arms, she snagged a home run ball like a professional. A young boy standing with his dad yelled out for all to hear, dad, dad, that girl caught the ball. Amy turned to me with a grin, from ear to ear, displayed the ball in her glove, and gave me a thumbs up. She knew she had made her daddy proud with that catch. That's what she always tried to accomplish, making her dad proud of whatever she attempted. At a young age, she was very talented in her writing abilities. Her poems, stories, and po- poems and stories showed she had an exceptional ability in journalism. Her granddaddy encouraged her to take a beginner's writing program for a young journalist. That did the trick. She knew she wanted to pursue a career in journalism. She was a leader in her high school academics, and she loved playing basketball, volleyball, and softball. I always tried to make it to all her sporting events that I could, and you could see her face glow when I showed up at the games. She was committed to her Christian life in her in her young years and developed a special talent for singing in a church choir. She was, uh, after that, she was off to college at Bob Jones University where she majored in journalism and Spanish. She was on a, a school newspaper staff and she was the editor of The Collegian in her senior year, that was a college paper. Uh, after college, she went to Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, where she Uh, took a job at the Public Opinion, a Gannett newspaper for the town. Um, That's when it all happened folks, after right there in Chambersburg. She uh, called us one day and told me and her mother that she had met a guy on the internet. Now this is a long time ago and the internet was brand new and uh, all we heard were nightmares about things going on, on the internet all these crazy people on there getting people and all that and so she told us she had gone on match.com put in all her date qualities and had only received one match and his name was kevin mccarty <coughs> they communicated by phone for several months kevin lived in missouri at the time and finally made the trip to Maryland to meet Amy and her mom and me. It wasn't long until Amy flew to Texarkana to meet Kevin's family. It was a true love put together by God and the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it, was at the time, it was at that time uh, that Amy was uh, starting to have physical problems and we talked to Kevin in length about their future. He said it did not matter to him about her illness. He loved her and he was in it for the long haul. They were married and set out for Texas and her troubles with her illness seemed to escalate. Kevin and Amy flew all over the United States to some of the best hospitals and meeting some of the greatest surgeons at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and Baylor University in Dallas, Texas. There was no stone left unturned to find answers to Amy's illness. Kevin's knowledge of Amy's illness seemed better than most of the doctors that they talked to. For a four year period, Amy could not eat any food by mouth. She had a feeding tube and a pacemaker in her stomach which helped digest the liquids. Amy had to develop a love for thin liquids, a snowball machine with 40 flavors, box after box of flavored teas, whipped cream, coffees of all kinds were Amy's diet. Sometimes those things would even make her deathly sick. Her illness took so much from her, but it never took her love for Christ. Amy stated to me that she would never allow the devil to take her joy, and he never did. At one of her lowest moments, she told Kevin, I won't blame you, Kevin, if you want to leave me. Kevin exclaimed to her, don't you ever say that to me again. Amy told me this was the only time she ever saw Kevin cry, it had hurt Kevin so deeply that she would would even think of such a thing. That was never mentioned again in their entire married life. Even though Amy was very sick, most of the time she did not lose her love for for riding or for baseball. Her baseball hero was Cal Ripken Jr. She used, her, she used her dynamic writing skills and wrote him about how she and her dad had many great ex- excursions at the ballpark and would it be in his power to relinquish a small part of his time to meet her and her dad. In her letter she told about his illness, her, il- her illness and that she had gotten uh, one of his autographs at one of the games but she said she would love to be able to sit down and talk with him in person. Well, guess what? Lo and behold, her dream came true. One hour in Cal Ripken's office, just Cal, her and her dad, and Amy. Went Cal, her dad, and Amy, I'm sorry. He answered every question she had about baseball. She signed every uh, bat, ball, card she had, And sports magazine with his picture on it. He was a real class individual. He gave her uh, four front row tickets to uh, Orioles game, but Amy did not let her uh, take her Christianity lightly. Um, Before she left, she witnessed a cow, gave him a tract and uh, a letter about how to get to heaven. That's how Amy was, always thinking about others. She was uh, she was so concerned about his salvation and she wanted to make sure he got the message, and he sure did. I'm sure there are many of you here that have received some kind of letter or card of encouragement from Amy. I was by her side for the last uh, month of her life, and on on her good days, she would do her best to write a thank you note or a short few words to someone to let them know she loved them. When our oldest daughter's husband, Jimmy, was dying of oral cancer, she wrote a letter scripture card or a poem to him each day of his illness it was a total of nine months of writings till his death all just to keep him encouraged in Jesus several months ago on one of her trips to my house to my home in Virginia she had a dream about her brother-in-law Jimmy sitting in a lawn chair waving at her from heaven folks it wasn't a wave like this it was a wave like this she said Amy was looking so forward to going going to heaven, but she wanted to go when Jesus was ready to take her. Many times Amy told me with tears rolling down her cheeks, I've never felt so loved, Dad. I've never felt so loved by so many people. Amy knew people loved her, and I as her daddy want to thank each and every one of you for loving my Amy the way you have. Second Timothy, uh, chapter four, uh, verses six and seven says, for I am not ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have, kept the fi- I, I, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Let me tell you, Amy has definitely made her daddy a very, very proud man. Thank you folks so much for coming today and for loving my Amy.
0: if you're here you'd also like to share a brief testimony if you want to make your way to the platform we'll have time for just two or three as you're moving up the nephew Ethan wants to say something come on up buddy
7: she was my aunt and she lived a long life for everyone I bet a bunch of you know her because everybody here is for a funeral so all of you know her And she was really smart and funny. We played at my grandma's house all the time and it was like the best, she was the best person ever and she loved me so much. It was just that I met the rest of her family today and some more yesterday. And she was so smart, I loved her so, and I loved her so much. She never gave up on Jesus. And today, she, well, on Monday, she, per, she went to heaven that very day and she was really smart.
0: You did a great job. What do you want to be when you grow up, Ethan? A pastor
7: like you. All right.
0: Well, when you're grown up, I may be ready to retire, so you
8: come on down. This is one of those last notes that Amy wrote. It was to my wife, Jean. And uh, Amy was aware that uh, we had gone through a lot this past year. My oldest son had lost his two-year battle with cancer. My wife went through several heart problems and surgeries and procedures, including a pacemaker. And Amy was aware that this summer my wife had contracted the MRSA staph infection and spent five weeks in the hospital. And here's what Amy wrote on October the 4th. Dearest Jean, I've been meaning to write you for weeks, but I'm finally getting the chance to write and let you know I love you and have been praying for you and your husband. I know you've had some health troubles and I just keep you in my prayers and thoughts always. I am praying too for our wonderful judge. Well, I'll leave that paragraph out. This is election time. I thank the Lord for your testimony and your faith in God despite this trying year and the losses you faced. You are so inspiring and someone I can look up to when my days are difficult. Thank you for your godly testimony. I love you and promise to continue to always pray for you, Amy McCarty.
9: Well, you all only think you were Amy's best friend. But I'm here to tell you, I was her best friend. Amy made everybody feel like they were the most special person in the whole wide world. And, you know, we've heard so much about her life today. And I've known Amy for 14 years. She came as a young bride to our church. And she and I made a connection at the very beginning. We went to lunch and we started seeing each other and spending time together. But I wanted to tell you what I'm taking away from from Amy's life. I wanna tell you how Amy has inspired me. Amy lived her life with passion and purpose. Amy's body failed her, but she never once thought that God had failed her. She never once doubted that God was a good God and that God loved her. And she chose to live every day with passion for Him Acts 20:24 20, says but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You've heard over and over again how everyone that ever came near Amy whether it was a doctor a nurse a neighbor Someone that she'd meet out on the street, that she wouldn't share her faith in God, that she wouldn't pray for them if they were hurting, that she wouldn't say a word of encouragement. She was one that lived her faith loud and proud. She had a passion about everything. After four years of not eating, and you and I can't imagine not being able to eat food. After four years of not eating, I had the joy to get to bring her some food to her house and she would eat it with a passion. Everything she did was with passion. She would write notes of encouragement with passion. She lived her life. She talked about her family, her mama, her daddy. She talked about Kevin. In fact, she often passionately kissed Kevin in front of me she was a passionate woman she lived her life with passion she talked and showed her pictures of her nieces and nephews her sisters everyone she lived with passion but not only with passion but purpose amy understood that every day she walked this earth she had a purpose Amy understood that every day she had something she needed to accomplish. And she did that through writing of the letters, through phone calls, through texts, through posting on Facebook, through her writing. But also, she was an intercessor. Not only was Amy my friend, she was my Uh, encourager and she was my intercessor and she prayed for people she had her list that she would pray for every day she lived with purpose every day she maybe couldn't get out of bed she maybe couldn't hardly open her eyes but she made sure that every day she had a purpose and that she lived her life with purpose but also I learned some lessons about Amy's death Amy died with grace and with dignity Amy knew that she had run her race. She knew these last two months that her time on this earth was short. That she lived with passion and she did everything she could to live and not die. She ran after the cure. But when it came time, she faced her death with grace and dignity. Her daddy read the scripture out of 2 Timothy 4 that says, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God, the time of my death is near. She knew it. She told me. And you know, she told me, I'm not afraid of death, but I'm afraid of the process of dying. But more than that, she was worried about her family. She was worried about her sister. She was worried about her daddy. She felt like the rest of her family, Kevin and, and her mama and her other sisters had accepted that it was okay. But she worried, and and when you all came to her and gave her that gift of, it's okay, Amy, it's okay, she was able to not worry anymore. Her fear of dying was over, her fear of the process. You read, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race. And let me say this about Amy, she remained faithful. She died with dignity. She didn't ask God, why me? In fact, on a video not too long ago in church, She said, I didn't ask God, why me? me?" She said, I asked, why not me? Why can't I walk through this and be a light and a witness in places that nobody else could be a light and a witness? Amy died with dignity and grace. And now verse eight says, and now the prize awaits her, the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give her on that day. Amy's received her crown. Amy has been one that has shown us how to live our life with passion and purpose, but how to die with dignity and grace. We're all better people because of Amy. We're all stronger because of her example, because of her love, prayer, and friendships. But you and I, we still have a race to run. We still have a fight to fight. So let's be like Amy and remain faithful to the end. Listen, we've not lost Amy because we know where she's at you can't lose someone when you know where they're at we know where amy is at and so that she is now one of that great crowd of witnesses and she is up there looking down on us and saying i know you can do it i know you can make it i'm here i'm cheering you on she's that great crowd of witnesses she's one of them and she's looking down on her family She's looking down on you, Kevin. She's looking down on her friends and saying, I'm here cheering you on. You're gonna make it. So let's make Amy proud. More importantly, let's make her Heavenly Father proud and let's live with passion and purpose.
5: Amy and I were roommates at Bob Jones University and she quickly became my best friend, just like she was all of your best friends. Amy always had an entourage of people around her and that was because she made everybody feel so special. One of the earliest lessons I learned from Amy was the way she saw beauty in every person. And she made them feel included. Um, There are often maybe a few stragglers at college that didn't have anywhere to sit or didn't have a group to be with, and she welcomed those people into our group. There was always a large group of us at dinner or at um, different concerts because she included them and she made them feel so special. And I am thankful for that gift that Amy gave me. And I know she got that from her wonderful family I've often been to the Webb's house for Sunday lunch and there'd be a widower or or a bus kid there that Mrs. Webb included, the family all welcomed in. And um, I just consider that a gift that I was able to see that in Amy, that she gave that to me, and she included me. She brought me into her wonderful family and her friends. And I am very grateful, and I love you, Amy, and I know I'll see you again someday.
0: Thanks. I know why the internet picked Kevin. Amy said that she wanted to live in the promised land and Texas is the (laughs) best place you can get this side of heaven. But I can imagine how you would have felt when your little girl is going. But I can tell you this, I have been a pastor many years and I have never observed a more loving husband than Kevin. Ever. Uh, I'm aware of my selfishness when I watch you with your wife. When I was around Amy, she was sick most of the time I was with her. Was a good pastor for many, many years. We'd fight hard. We'd pray hard. We'd believe God that she would be normal and happy and healthy, just like everybody else. But uh, she just never really reached that place, and it became a quandary for me. We all ask the question, "Why?" Whether we verbalize it, we think it because we read the Bible, if you read it like me, I, I, I know the good passages. I know the passages of prosperity, of life, of health, of goodness, of protection. I know those, and when I get to ones that have to deal with suffering or pain, I kinda read those quickly. They're not in my precious promise box. But as I watched Amy, I would, I would feel helpless to do anything for her. But yet when I would watch her as a pastor, I would always come away feeling better around her than I was when I got there. Uh, People look at a pastor and you're supposed to be the spiritual one, but when I was around Amy, I felt like I was around a spiritual one. Because most of us find ourselves spiritual and strong when life is going well and prayers are answered and things are great. But it's in suffering and difficulty that we really find out the nature of our Christian faith. I don't post like Amy did on Facebook. I'll show a picture if I killed a turkey, if I went duck hunting, if my garden's growing well, you know, if there's a picture of a kid's graduation. But Amy's post would leave me realizing the depth of her spirituality. I'll read a brief on August 4th, good morning, sweet friends, I couldn't sleep again tonight. My pain is severe, but my mind is full of thoughts, so I just decided to jump on things instead of tossing and turning to get comfortable. Most people I know, and myself included, when I'm facing a difficult day, much less a difficult life, I wrestle with getting down. If I try to play golf and don't do well, I feel like God let me down. But here's a girl in the middle of not being able to sleep another night, and she said, I got up. Now, what's she going to do? I mean, this is a couple months ago when her life is ebbing away. So she said, I thought I'd just pray this for each and every one of you, my friends and family, this Monday morning. And she went into this lengthy Facebook post with a prayer that just humbled me and I don't know what else I could say was that your faith inspires me. That's the gift she gave to me. As I reflected on this in prayer for perhaps a scriptural understanding of of Amy's life, uh, two passages came to me, one in Ephesians 6 and one in James 5. In Ephesians, if you remember the passage about spiritual warfare, our battle, the armor that we'd wear, here's how it goes. For just a portion of it says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, our problems in this life are not with people, but it's the spiritual world behind them, the spiritual forces of evil. We're to, enjoined to put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand, you may be able to stand your ground, and this phrase is, is memorable, after you have done everything, stand in other words in the spiritual life that you're living life is tough life is hard you have the sword of the Spirit you have the shield of faith you have the Word of God you have prayer but no matter what's going on stand I'll read this other passage and draw them together and then close in James 5 James says this James says as an example of suffering and patience take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, and the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And it was that phrase that I felt the Holy Spirit sparked in me an example in suffering. I wish I could tell you the Christian life is always lived pain-free and trouble-free and problem-free, but it's just not. I can cherry pick verses that would help me strive towards that, but when I read the pages of the Bible and look at the greats in the Bible, all the way from Moses, Joseph, pick your pick your favorite, Joshua, Elijah, just pick one and every one of them faced some kind of difficulty, some kind of challenge, some kind of suffering, some kind of pain. Our Lord Jesus Himself, Paul the Apostle, Peter who some believe was crucified upside down because he didn't believe he was worthy of being crucified as our Lord was. Christians today, we had a friend from the Middle East here not too long ago whose churches that he pastors are, are right in the neighborhood where ISIS has is behead, been beheading believers. He told the story of a, of a little five-year-old who mommy said, be real still when they, when, if mommy dies and maybe they won't find you, finding that little five-year-old child. I live in America, and America's a pretty good place. Life's not too difficult pretty much, but when suffering and difficulty comes, the question I must ask myself, am I gonna stand or am I gonna let the winds of adversity, am I gonna let disappointment, am I gonna let unanswered prayer cause me not only to shut down as a Christian, but perhaps turn my back on God? Because there are believers living around the world today, they lose their houses, they lose their lands, they lose their lives. This past year there were 1,600 documented uh, occurrences of, of, of a loss of religious freedom in America today. Some made it to court, some just got fired. But something's happening in America today where the Christian faith that once held the nation together is being minimized and marginalized and even, even pointed to as the reason for many of our problems. So it may be that suffering may be a part of our lot in some fashion, but I can tell you this about Amy's life. The suffering that I face in my life, whether it's with my wife's cancer battle that she had or whether it's whatever the future may hold, I will face it with faith because of Amy's life because I saw in Amy someone who would not quit, who would not back down, someone who when the prayer wasn't answered and God didn't come through, she still stood up and she gave praise to her God when nobody's around early in the morning and and it's easy to just pop another pill or to gripe or complain or, or call Oprah for a troubled, broken heart story. But she gets on Facebook and she prayed for you and she prayed for me. She, my friends, was an example of suffering. And Amy was one who had done everything. She stood. And that's the example that I leave with her today. I close with this thought. God views death differently than we do. We know how we got in this mess. Adam and Eve believed a lie from Satan in the Garden of Eden. They lived in a perfect place. It was a place where they walked with God every day. There was no problems. And Satan told them this lie, that if you'll just break the command of God, you'll be happy. You'll find true meaning and purpose in life. And they did it. And they opened the door to all the pain and heartache and suffering there are, there is in the world today. I'm often asked as a pastor, pastor, why did this bad thing happen? I say, go with me. Early in Genesis, Genesis chapter one, it's not there. Revelation chapter 21 and forward, it's not there. But in this time between Genesis and Revelation's conclusion, sin is in this world, and Satan's what he gave Adam and Eve we all inherited. It's what drove our Savior to the cross. It what gives us hope beyond eternal life, hope for eternal life. It's the forgiveness of sin that Christ offers. But God views life and death differently than we do. As Psalms, the psalmist said, "This precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints." It doesn't mean that the process of death is precious. But it means that death allows us to be able to see the Lord face to face. Death allows us to worship not what we don't see, but the one whom we do see. Death allows the Christian to enter into the presence of the Lord where there's no more praying anymore. There's no more mosquitoes, snakes, and IRS agents. (laughs) There's no more problems in life anymore. But we are with the Lord Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve's sin got us in this mess. Jesus Christ provided us a way out. Amy died in hope. My prayer is you're ready when it's your day. I close with this final thought. The funeral is a time for a checkup in our spiritual life because as much as we don't want to agree or admit it, one day we'll be in this place. It's unnatural for a father to bury a child. It's hard for a sister or husband to bury a, 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 a wife or a sister, but one day we'll all go this way. I ask you, my friend, if you're ready for that day. If you're a Christian, the Bible says us, we're reminded in 1 Corinthians 15, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. If you're a believer, I ask you this question today. Are, are you living your life fully and completely for Christ? Have you given Jesus just a small part of your life? Or do you live for Jesus every day of your life? Tomorrow is not guaranteed, my friends. This is the day that the Lord has made. Our redemption is nearer today than we first believe. And my hope and prayer for every professing Christian in this room today is that you live fully and completely for Christ. Don't ever accept being a Sunday Christian or a Sunday Wednesday Christian, but be a Christian every day, every moment of your life. Live for Jesus, my friends, because it's the only way to be ready to stand for Him on that great day. If you happen not to be a Christian, I, I, I was not as an early, in my early teen years. I was raised in church, but how many know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you surrender your life for Christ. When you think of the cross and you say, Lord Jesus, I truly believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and that I have sinned before a a, a holy God, and I deserve justice and judgment, but you offer me mercy. And I want to receive you as my Savior. I want to put my life in yours. I want your forgiveness, but listen, I'm willing to walk away from my old life, and I'm willing to follow you and serve you and put you first in my life. It's a marked moment. Walking in the church doors won't do it. Shaking a preacher's hand won't do it. But a moment in your heart with God, like I had on August 15, 1976, in a Navy boot camp, where I put a pillow over my face and I asked Christ to forgive me and I committed my life to Jesus. Friend, if you've never done that today, you can do that as we close in prayer. It is life-changing. It helped Amy end up with the hope she has today. I hope yours is the same. And then I hope you'll follow up by living for Jesus, by reading your Bible, by living a life of prayer, by going to church, getting involved, and finding God's plan for your life. Let's pray. Well, Lord, we just celebrate today a life well-lived, a life of suffering, but a life that brought glory to Christ, a life that was a beacon of light in dark places, a light that was shining When needles were poking in her arm and she was going under for another surgery, praise was on her lips to her God. Lord, let us follow her example of suffering when difficulty comes. Let your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. And for any that may be here today that may be uncertain of their eternal soul, I would just ask that they would join me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for hope beyond the grave. And I acknowledge before you today that I've sinned, I've done wrong, I've done things that I'm ashamed of, things that no one else may know, but things that you as the eternal all-knowing God does. And I would humble before you today, God, and ask you to forgive me, to wash me from my sins, and give me a brand new start. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I ask you today to forgive me, to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to follow you and serve you the rest of my days. Take my hand, Jesus, and lead me where you want me to go. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: When I get where I'm going On the far side of the sky The first thing that I'm gonna do Is spread my wings and fly I'm gonna land beside a line And run my fingers through his mane Or I might find out what it's like To ride a drop of rain Yeah, when I get where I'm going There'll be only happy tears I will shed the sin struggles I have carried all these years And I'll leave my heart wide open I will love and have no fear Yeah, when I get where I'm going Don't cry for me down here I'm gonna walk with my grand- me step for step And I'll tell him how I've missed him Every minute since he left so much work to do, but when I get where I'm going, and I see my Maker's face, I'll stand forever in the light of His amazing amazing grace.
0: Bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you
8: and give you peace.